Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. We have merch. Check out the americanglutton.net shop. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. A number of people have come up to me wearing American Glutton merch, and nothing fills my heart with more pride than seeing somebody in one of these t-shirts. And I've been stopped on the street and asked where to get it when somebody sees me in an American Glutton hoodie. Well, you can get it all at the shop on AmericanGlutton.net. And my favorite t-shirt, yesterday it was tomorrow, right now, is up now. Get it while supplies last. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show... Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today I'm talking to Jaws, a.k.a. Julie Nelson. She is a New York City-based fitness coach and much sought-after movement director. You can find her on Instagram at Jaws Nelson. Julie Nelson, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Hi. Hello. You are a movement coach. That is one of the many one of the things. many things. Okay, well, let's get into that. What does that mean? Because they, I was told that, and I was like, "What is a movement coach? What does movement training mean?" Okay, well, um, so movement training, movement coaching, movement directing um, is a person who would be on set, whether it's a photo shoot, video shoot, wherever. Um, you would be directing the talent uh, in whatever form of movement they are performing. So it could be someone who is very um, knowledgeable in movement, an athlete, a dancer, but just needs a little more of like direction as to what the, the actual purpose of the campaign is or what were the overarching message is. Um, you really just work with a lot of different types of people 
um, each job is like wildly different. Uh, I think a lot of movement directors in the past have been known for more high fashion campaigns um, where they're working with models and just getting them to like contort and move their body in a way that's like different. Um, and then there's even people like there's a very famous uh, movement director, Polly Bennett, and she's, I think, English, and she's done movies like Elvis. So she's pretty well known that she studies like the mannerisms of Elvis Presley and then is able to teach and show the talent exactly how this person moves. So, I mean, I can't tell you how valuable that sounds to me simply because I'm an actor and I'm very comfortable acting and, and playing a character, but with photo shoots, I'm miserably uncomfortable and wind up just standing there and always have, you know, feel some bit of um, not animosity, but frustration from the photographer because they're like, do something. And I'm like, OK, tell me what to do. Otherwise, I'm literally just going to stand here. So having somebody to say, like, here's how you move and, you know, you see some models and they get these pictures where they're doing something and i'm like i don't know how to do that that's not being in character and doing a scene that's all right. i know how to do right like um, body shapes and understanding the camera for specifically for photography or for whatever is it's a whole other thing too and i think some photographers and whatnot they they're very articulate with what they want from the models but then sometimes you run into someone who is just like you know not verbally articulate because they do their talking with their lens yeah yeah i i've uh only i only ever feel uncomfortable in photo shoots because i feel as though i don't know other than just stand mm -hmm. here smile or scowl that's what yeah. i got that's what i got to give you um I also, okay cool. I like I like to think of myself as the hype person. Like right. I'm just in the back. Like if you need, if you don't need me a lot, I'm like, let's go. Or right. if you need me a lot, I'm like, I got you. you know? Right. So. That, I mean, this is fascinating. And I think I'm for the next photo shoot I do, I'm requesting a movement coach because I, sure. I don't know how to move and take good pictures. <laughs> um, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Okay. And you're, and you're super into fitness. Yes, I am super into fitness. <laughs> and you've been doing this a long time. Have you seen evolutions and changes? What are the changes you're aware of since you've been doing this in in fitness and people's goals and and like um you know, especially with regard to photographers and taking pictures of people, I feel that we are going more towards muscular or muscularity is that is that something you've noticed like you know 20 um, years I ago think, yeah i think i'd say a majority has shifted like 80 percent maybe has shifted to um welcoming all types of bodies um all heights as well i think that's a big thing to point out because i actually was signed to wilhelmina models like a long time ago and the only way to work as a model, uh, you had to be tall and I'm not, I'm five, six and a half. And so I was like, well, how can I, and I don't have the quote unquote, the body type. So, um, I was like, what can I do? How can I model? And they're like, ever think about being a fitness model. So that's the thing too, right? I think body type height, um, and everything else. Right. It's it's definitely more 
diverse. There's a lot more diversity. So bodies, 80% of it, I think it's strong or whatever is healthy to your body. Then the other 20%, like the modeling agency, it's not going to shift that much. Like high fashion, those designers like what they like. And those products are selling for a shit ton of money. So they're going to do what they want to do with their product. And they don't really care who they market to because they're like, you know, this is going to sell regardless because it's whatever high fashion name. Right. Yeah, that's I, I, I never understand because, you know, you walk around in the world and don't see a lot of people that look like the advertisements. So rarely who's buying Maybe in that stuff? Right. Yeah. It's, I think it's just this whole, um, thought that developed a long time ago with just like what looks best on camera and what is more of like a, a body type that will showcase the clothing without giving it any extra personality. Right. Cause I think bodies our personality without even like spoken words, your body tells a lot about you, your personality. Whereas if you say everyone who is shooting, every model has to be, you know, five, 10 to six, six foot, they need to weigh this much. Their waist has to be 26. Their hips have to be 30. Their bust has to be this, and they need this type of hair. And that's because they want to, I'm assuming just someone who's going to show off the clothing, not the other way around. Right. Yeah. I mean, fashion is such an interesting thing. And, and I also think like one of the issues with that is no matter what um, type of mannequin I see the clothes I'm buying on or advertisement, I see it never quite looks the same on me. And there's always a little bit of a disappointment, but then I can, quickly stop looking in the mirror and remember how I saw it and imagine myself looking like right. that and concoct this kind of fantasy that I live in, you know? Wait, you should do those things. Have you ever seen the ones that's like what I bought versus what it looks like? Yeah. <laughs> you should it's, start that. It's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and what I look like and it never, they never match up. It's always kind of a disappointment. I'd, I'd watch that actually. <laughs> yeah, I might do that. Um, are you, do you find that with working with people that, uh, goals tend to be unrealistic nine times out of 10? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's uh, a tough thing to do. I think that what, what, how do you approach that? Well, it's always when you first start working with someone, cause so I, in the city, I work at a personal training gym called S10 training. It's a, it's a small one-on-one -on -one training gym where, everyone comes in there with different goals and or maybe past injuries or maybe short-term goals, long-term goals. Um, and when you meet with the person, obviously one of the first things you're going to do is sit down and talk to them and see in their head, what are their goals and what do they think they can achieve by training with you and how long they think it's going to take to achieve that. I like to just ask a lot of and generally speaking, the answers, eight, nine out of 10 are losing, obviously, weight in a very short amount of time or gaining muscle in a very short amount of time. 
before a wedding, before a anniversary, before a trip. And of course, there's some people who definitely have reasonable, approachable goals that they understand. They've done a little bit of research and they know that that's not possible. But you kind of just want to listen and not make someone feel defeated because then they're not going to start, right? And they're going to, when you look at the mountain and you see how high and how long it's going to take you to climb, you're less inclined to start going and climbing at all. You just have to kind of give them the, once you get to the top, it's like the view up there and how you're going to feel and how much easier it's going to be to maintain a certain thing. Because I think people don't realize like, Maintenance is way easier than having to roll back down the hill, climb back up, roll back down the hill and climb back up. Learning how to maintain after maybe, you know, going through a downtime is is an important tool to teach people as well. So I would say honesty is one of the main things. You have to just be really honest with people, let them know not going to be done in four weeks and it's not possible scientifically. It's just not possible um, without defeating. And, and so. do you find that the approach that one would take can, can change the ease of maintenance? So like the longer the runway somebody gives themselves to get to wherever they want to get to will actually determine how easy maintenance is or not, because for me, I, I I don't know that you're dealing with people who have to lose 300 pounds, but for me, right. the whole the whole idea of maintenance was just another diet, you know, because I didn't know how to I didn't know how to eat to maintain my weight. I was always steadily gaining weight in my pretty much right. my entire life. And when I finally understood maintenance, it was a revelation because it took a lot of work to get to the point where maintenance is just day-to-day life. It took me a couple of years of yeah. real work. Um, and now I'm totally with you. It is much easier than I thought. It's mm-hmm. it's a thousand times easier than dieting. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but I but I know that, you know, the times where I did like a liquid diet and then got to a weight and went, okay, I want to maintain this, I failed. And when I tried, you know, the cayenne pepper, lemon tea diet or whatever. I remember that. Yeah. Like all of those things got me to a place where it was like, okay, now maintain this. And it it just was not realistic because, because pretty much anything I ate at that point was going, my body was going to try and store it as fat. Right. Yeah. And also there's just a lot of different, like no body is the same. And I think that's something to remember, like, your journey is going to be wildly different from someone else's, especially with major weight loss. I think that's a whole other game. Like that's not even my game. Right. So uh, to your point, it's true. It can feel like this, like snakes and ladders, right? You get to the ladder and then all of a sudden you get to the snake and you're back to the, the beginning. And it is very defeating and it is very hard, but what you said, it took years. And I think that's, that's important to, Remember, like, yeah, it's going to take years, but then you have the rest of your life. So it's like, start now. It does. It takes years. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy life, you know? Um, No, no, not at all. You know, I think for me, it was really just like 
you know, understanding a little bit about nutrition, like what, what you yeah. know, I, I had this terrible, terrible fear of carbohydrates for a long time. And I would, and then I would be like, well, I can only eat fat and protein and I'm still not losing weight. So now I'm just like not even counting calories, but just always hungry and eating <laughs> fat and protein in order to lose weight. And finally, like, wait, isn't the purpose of fat and protein that diet that I'm never hungry and I can eat whatever I want, but that's not working. Yeah. Um, so there's all this like garbage out there, like, kind of, yeah, floating around yeah. that's confusing. And when it was just like, no, I don't know what a normal meal looks like because I compulsively eat fast because I have anxiety about people watching me eat. And then what happens is I've got an empty plate. They're still eating. Now I'm uncomfortable watching them eat, feel like it's somehow rude. Now I need to fill my plate again. You know, like just all this fucking anxiety right. around food. And it's just like, okay, what is what is an appropriate meal for me that's that I wouldn't say is appropriate for anybody else, right? For right. my energy level, for my body size. And then like practice eating that a lot. I got to practice yeah, this because I don't even... I don't even know what it feels like to be full, really. You know, yeah. I I like stampeded over those cues. So to your point, like if somebody comes in and they're like, I want to lose 20 pounds in two weeks and you have the conversation like it's not going to be two weeks. Let's do this more gradually. And then maintaining it's going to be easy. Like you could literally cut out a Snickers bar a day and that's your maintenance. Mm -hmm. You right. know, that's a everything in moderation for sure. I think that's actually a really good point because maybe I experience it a ton more in New York. I think New Yorkers tend to be extremists. Like, whoa, everything is extreme. It's like, uh, I'm drinking too much. I'm stopping drinking forever. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, legit, just take it back. Like, okay, maybe six glasses of wine, like, have five. And then from there, have four. You know, but there's such extremes where it's like, you're going to just cut everything out. And it's not even, it's like sleep, it's work, it's everything is connected. And maybe it is just a New York thing, but I feel like they're at the top of the totem pole when it comes to like this, like weird mindset where it's like everything or nothing, all or nothing. Where yeah. to your point, it's, it's legit one, changing one habit, getting that under control and moving to the next we do, especially now we want things right away. Like I'm, I'm, everyone is, I think, guilty of that. I'm very guilty of that as well. I think I do it and I catch myself. I try to send myself back, but I'm not perfect. Like people who train you trainers, we all have shit as well. We're just like maybe better at covering it up sometimes, or maybe better at developing tools to uh, help get past it faster. Like, I think maybe I have, I can identify problems fast and change it, but it doesn't mean I don't have problems myself with my, you know, my thoughts behind eating and food and this, this type of stuff can be like deeply rooted in you. I grew up as a ballet dancer. I went to a boarding school when I was 11 for ballet. Wow. Like I lived in a boarding school for ballet. So I think that is at that young age is when you actually start to develop your relationship towards health, fitness, food. And that is going to carry with you forever, forever. You're never going to be able to really let go of that, but it's how you adjust and like actually 
develop the armor towards those thoughts you have. The ballet thing is a a very interesting angle because I've talked to some girls. I've never talked to a a, a man, but um, and I wonder if it's different from a, a, a male. Are they ballerinas? Men? Is it the yeah, same? Yeah, ballet dancer, ballerina. Yeah, ballet dancer. I wonder if it's the same thing, but but weight is so hyper focused on in ballet, and and then I wonder if later when you because you I can't. I can't see your body, but I've seen pictures of you. You're not like a bodybuilder, muscular gal, but you're muscular. I would think I think of you as having definite musculature that I wouldn't always associate with a ballerina. Was that hard mentally for you to do that? Yeah, I mean, and that's actually a good point in in a sense, because when I was I was in a school when I was 11 and I already you could tell i already wasn't a typical body for ballet i wasn't super super lean i was always a little bit more muscular especially my arms don't know why um that's just you know body (laughs) uh everyone is totally different but that's when i first started hearing my ballet teachers and the mistresses there comment on things like that and that does affect the way that you start eating because you think this is also a good point. You think you can eat or not eat your way into looking a certain way. And there is there was no way, no matter how much I starved, I did starve myself when I was 11, 12, 13. There was no way I would achieve that body, that perfect ballet body, even if I did. Because I was not built that way. Right. Uh, no matter what, my hips weren't going to get any smaller in my arms mechanically my shoulders were not going to get less broad and my thighs and my glutes like things I just you know that is the way it is so that is a good point too because I think sometimes you have an image of yourself that you want in your head and it's not attainable so yeah I think and I mean all of this has happened for me where I you know based on some picture of somebody else i go like okay i'm gonna work towards that whether it's for a movie or a photo shoot and i i've now maintained my weight for five years which is a huge mitzvah for me you know like that's a big deal um but a couple of times in there i'll go like now i'm gonna get really really lean and even then no matter how lean Mm -hmm. i get i never feel lean enough And then I always get to the point where like I'm doing the movie and I've gotten as lean as I can get. And there's the thought in my head, like now I have to maintain this. And that's also impossible, you know, like Mm -hmm. the amount of work that it takes to get into either just 10% or slightly below 10% body fat. It's so much that the calculation is never there in my head of like, oh, maintaining this is going to be all of that work forever. It's going to be hungry. It's going to be extra cardio. Like all of that goes into ultra, ultra lean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's like you have to make that choice too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The 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 actual goal has to be weighed out because if you're doing so much work, extra work to get there, are you really going to do all of that? Like what, what does your life look like if you're doing two hours a day 
of cardio having gone like just to get to your goal you don't then stop doing two hours a day because your goal will go away i imagine for you too i think i actually find this really interesting with actors because it really is like to achieve a very specific aesthetic for a character sometimes and i always think of the extremists like uh Dallas Buyers Club, some something like that. Matthew yeah. McConaughey. Like that to me is it's interesting because ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Those sort of like diets and whatnot like that, obviously you do it for your art and you know that this is somewhat detrimental to your health. But I do find that interesting as to how to like separate the reality from the work, right? right? Your reality versus your work. How do you not get wrapped around a image that isn't actually you? It's the character you're playing. Yeah, like, it's, to me, it's that's tricky. really fascinating. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I was saying, do you ever feel like you get kind of attached to like after something is done, you're done filming, you just continue that like routine? without noticing for sure it it certainly depends on the job like there will uh, i did a job where i played like a scary satanist guy who kidnapped young girls and and the minute that was over i was so glad to just like take off that wardrobe and never put it on again but then there will be like yeah randy and my name is earl who's like a total sweetheart and just like mostly happy all the time And then he's fun, you know, and then looking at the world through his point of view isn't upsetting. It's kind of like just a a nice perspective to take on, which I find myself going into sometimes and just like thinking in a way that I think he would think and going like, 
uh, that, like it's almost like having an old friend, you know, like a, an extra voice in your head. That's somebody you cared about. Yeah. 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 But it is weird. Physically. I mean, I always think about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think of guys like McConaughey and like the guy who played I'm blank Christian Bale. He's done some insane physical transformations from like totally emaciated. Looks like he's going to die to overweight as as Dick Cheney. And I, I wonder if any of those he's been, you know, were so comfortable to him that he was like, I'm just going to like from for now, my real life is going to be this, you know? Yeah, it's weird. It's tricky yeah. for an actor. in that. I wonder, <laughs> do, do you work with actors? Yeah, Are there actors definitely. in New York? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of actors at um, S10 um, that come through there. And, you know, I guess it's the type of acting you do, right? whether it's a character or I don't know, but I, I think some of the ones that are coming through, I tend to see that they maintain like, or they're trying to just like keep healthy, but then sometimes, yeah, maybe it's like more me personally. I've never had a big weight gain or loss within an actor. It's always just been maintenance stronger or, Hey, I'm doing a Broadway show and I have this many shows a week and my body feels like shit. Right. Like, help me get through the show. Give me some tools to get through the show and to, you know, make sure my body isn't broken after I get done with however many performances I have. Yeah. Okay. Paige says your nickname is Jaws. I want to yes, hear I know. this. Wait, when you call me Julie Nelson, I was, this like, was, was like, who's Julie Nelson? I'm I was Jaws. Like, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. I mean, uh, uh, but I've been called Jaws since I was probably second grade. So it's really a part of my identity. <laughs> Number one, I just love sharks. Okay. Like I, I love sharks. I am a shark nerd. They are amazing creatures. Definitely like posters of sharks as a kid <laughs> next to instinct. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I watched the movie when I was way too young with my mom because my mom grew up on a beach six, San Diego, Coronado. She was a child. She's a surfer. She skateboarded. She watched the movie as a young adult and it really affected her and her friend group. Like to the point where like that was the water, the ocean was one of the scariest things. It's like, it's like how we felt or I felt about scream. <laughs> like that mask took on a whole other meaning. And I love scary movies I mean, like shit changed for me so I was like I get it and she wanted me to see it at a young age so she could explain it to me so she was trying to say like the shark isn't like that sharks aren't like that totally misunderstood the shark is misunderstood they don't hunt humans etc cetera, etc cetera. and and then she was at, at the end of it when the shark is killed I remember just being like crying and being like oh my God, this is terrible. I can't believe they would kill the shark. You know, he didn't do anything really. <laughs> and so after that, I think it was the age where kids would either call themselves like Batman or Spider-Man. I just started saying Jaws. I was right. like, Jaws, yeah. It was my superhuman power. So some reason in my head, it made sense. <laughs> it totally doesn't make sense. But, you know, I would say Jaws for a while. And teachers were cool with it. My mom's a teacher. So I think everyone's just like, yeah, let her call herself Jaws. Like I used to call myself everything but my real name. I hate, I still to this day hate my real name. Oh, no. And I, I know. Um, but 
<laughs> so I would call myself anything but my name. And uh, <laughs> when I got older, I would try to use it, but my actual mom now they'll let me use it but at the time it was like not feminine enough like you know we we went through all that bullshit so when I was on Broadway which I did I was like a dancer singer or whatever my co-workers castmates like I would just tell them stories about Jaws and whatnot and they're like you can never not call yourself Jaws they're like why are you not calling yourself Jaws so it kind of was reborn through right. my peers who love me. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And honestly, the second that happened when I was doing my shows, I was, it was jaws from that point forward and people really like, it was an immediate thing where people attached to it. Like everyone loved it. And then I just went with it. I used it for everything from that point forward, like literally everything from that point forward. And, uh, yeah. And I like it. It's, I mean, the older I get, the more I'm like, some people are like, what? (laughs) Jaws. Uh, I'm like, like, the movie like the shark and they're like joss i'm like no j a w it's <laughs> like i'm like it's like dun, dun, dun. you know it's very confused but you know there's a lot there. there's a lot nowadays of people advocating for sharks too like it's it's a thing mm-hmm. right now so i think you're in good company yeah i mean as we should advocate for sharks it's a important part of our ecosystem like the oceans ecosystem without sharks they've been around longer than anyone but without sharks yeah i understand i I understand like there would be the food chain would take a big hit and also people are afraid of things they can't see and that's the thing sharks are everywhere you just cannot see them oh yeah and they're scary they're legitimately scary but i think they are you don't want to get attacked right yeah your life will change for sure they have a bunch of like razor sharp you know it's like a knife stabbing you a hundred times like it's not a good thing but i would say shark attacks very uncommon this is the truth and people are like yeah but you know i choose to not go in the water that's why it's uncommon i'm like well i mean literally you can walk down the street and get hit by a car at any point. So are you going to choose not to walk down the street? So it kind of works hand in hand. Yeah. I'm not scared of sharks and I go in the water all the time, but I, but I think I would be very scared if I saw one. Absolutely. In the wilderness, not maybe if you're like in a cage or in a boat looking out, it'd be like, wow, that's a beautiful creature. But if you're in the water and there is a great white shark that is 16 feet, next yeah, to you scary. yeah because they don't they're inquisitive they want to know what is in the water they're not always hungry so they're gonna try to see what it is and they don't have hands <laughs> <laughs> they yes they they check you Can out you <laughs> they're like human <laughs> humans are friends <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not food that's what i like to think from nemo <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, let's go back to your your clients. If somebody comes in with a very unrealistic goal and okay. and you're trying to talk them into a slower, more sustainable goal, what what approach do you take? And have you have you had people who have tried the unrealistic thing and then gone like, "Okay, you were right. I'm going to do it your way?" Um, yeah, I think like I could go down four different instances of that sort of thing. 
where I think the first thing is like, let's say someone says, this is what they want to do in four weeks. They're going to their friend's wedding in Italy and they want to look like this. I'm like, okay, well then they, they start their cut and they get into this insane lifestyle. And then, you know, they start to realize second week, they're like, I can't see anything changing. I'm like, yes, because your body does not adapt within two weeks. Like it takes a lot longer. And then it really is like, it's an aha moment usually like, okay, I understand. And then that's when you say, do you want to continue on when you get back from Italy? Like, do you want, do you want to continue? Like, why was the, what was your reason to begin with other than this one thing? What is like the deep rooted reason you want to change? Cause it's never just like the surface level bullshit. It's always something way deeper. So if you can identify that and, and then turn someone's opinion or mind around after maybe the goal wasn't achieved at the short term, um, short time frame, then sure, you, you'll have that client and you'll get to actually form a bond with them and go on this journey and give them the tools they need to eventually get to where they want to be. Uh, I think another good point is a lot of people will have these goals. They'll be, they'll be told, okay, you're not going to reach it by that time. They'll say, okay, I just want to, let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. Like that's a short thing. Let's, let's keep moving. But then life gets in the way. So many things can get in the way. I think one of the main reasons people don't reach their goals when they want to, when it is attainable, when it is a, an attainable amount of time is because lifestyle choices, meaning work is busy. I can't make it. The amount of people in New York City, I think I always use that as an example because I think New York is an extreme. I think cities are kind of extreme environments because there's a lot of outside factors that you have to put into the mix. I think the amount of people that start off like super gun ho that I train end up having so many excuses and not being consistent. And then saying to me, we've been training for five months and I haven't really moved the needle that much. And I'm like, well, that's because in October you came four times, four times, four hours. What makes you think in four hours you're going to change something? Four, if you really think about it, four hours, not enough. So I think that's another interesting angle to look at it too. When someone has unattainable goals, they're willing to move past those unattainable goals, set a proper goal, they don't hold themselves responsible for the time that they set the goal. So that's actually, I kind of group those people together because they're the kind of self-sabotagers in a sense. Yeah. How, so how, if, do, you get, do you get into if, diet yeah. with these people too? Do you discuss nutrition with them or is it just training? Yeah, a little bit, but it's primarily for me, just training. It's super intense nutrition. I always, I have people that I have friends or physical therapy as well. So as a trainer, you want to have nutritionists you're friends with and you want physical therapists you are friends with. Those are two people you need to know. Maybe have one or two that are just like really solid go-tos because it's out of the scope of work, right? You don't want to be giving someone information. I can give people basic information on nutrition, but when it comes to their body type, exactly their age, their weight, et cetera, I pass it over to a nutritionist and they can get that information 
And if it is a very specific goal, they absolutely need to be talking to a nutritionist because that's a huge part of it. So, yeah. And if it's just, yeah. And if it's just somebody who's like, I don't move enough in my life and I want to improve my health with exercise, you maybe don't need to talk to them about nutrition. Yeah. I mean, again, New York is one of these weird places where like people are or think, but they are very educated in a sense of there's a lot of people. It's very condensed in an office. People are talking about everything, right? It's not just like specific work things. Like I find that New Yorkers or people in cities, they want to know and they're, they're more educated on topics that interest them, right? Like when they go to the theater, same thing. You have to put on a really good show because they've seen a lot. Like right. <laughs> they've seen a lot. Same with at a group fitness. Let's say you're going to group fitness. It has to be curated and it has to be tight, tightly wound and it has to have consistency because people in New York have gone to a ton of group fitness workouts. So they have a lot to compare and they have a lot of knowledge that they've acquired from multiple sources. And it's not like someone like Dr. Google, right? No one's going, oh, on Google, well, Google said I need this amount of protein and blah, blah, blah from my body weight. Like they're having intense conversations within each other and they actually know some basics. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, f I find it, it, in New York, I wind up walking quite a bit more. Um, right. But I also find that it's harder for me Every, every, I haven't been in a kitchen in a house in New York that I've thought is as conducive to like meal prep as my kitchens have been outside of New York. And I've worked in New York a few times, so I've been there for months at a time, but the kitchens tend to be a bit smaller, less counter space. And all of my friends in New York eat out a lot more than I do. A which, lot, yeah. So that's a that's an area for New York where I go like nutrition for me is harder, but I'm walking quite a bit more. So I guess it it balances a little bit, but I prefer making my own food 95 percent of the time. Yeah, no, a good point. I don't think a lot of New Yorkers like really make their food or they're like, they are meal prepping. I think people do meal prep. And it's pretty, but the thing is, I think the meal prepping is more of a, or the food is more of a, we have a lot of delivery, right? like a lot of apps and whatnot that people will sign up for. Okay. I get this many meals through this um, service made weekly for me. I think that's probably pretty important because you're right. Like the kitchens are not that big. And I think Schedules are crazy. You get home really late. You don't want to eat at 10 p.m. when you get home or 9.30. That's even like super late. And Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. 
it'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. And because you are walking everywhere, taking the subway, car, taxi, Uber, bike, scooter, skateboard, like you are very active in a sense of you're probably getting zone two training. You're just walking everywhere. You're getting your heart rate elevated a little bit. You're getting that in. So yeah, you are checking a little bit of that box, but at the same time, you're kind of destroying it with all the eating out because people like to indulge. Yeah. No, there's some insanely good restaurants in New York. And then every block has a, or, you know, maybe not every block, but every other block surely has a great bodega or a deli where you can get a delicious sandwich or, you know, a falafel or whatever. And it's, and it's good, you know, like everywhere else I've lived, you got to go out of your way to find something like that and drive right. a couple of miles. And and it's like a, a task. And this is like you walk out your front door and you're going to pass six places before you get to where right. you're going. And that's tough. But it's outside of your house, too. Right. So on the other side of it, people who are maybe in homes and not necessarily city living, they go and stock up on food at Costco or wherever they get boxes and boxes of food they keep it in the house it's stored not always fresh right or still healthy so it's in the it's in the home you go you grab it you eat it whereas in new york not a lot of people are actually keeping food per se because there's less space to store food but you're kind of getting it when you need it so it's also not in the fridge so instead of having all those things in the fridge you can go and just eat it at any time I think a lot of people aren't keeping as much food stored in their home. So unless they are out of their home, they're not really necessarily eating as much when they, as if they had extra storage of food. Yeah. It because New York presents a whole other set of problems for me. Like I have no, there will be places I'll go uh, to work and have anxiety about not not anxiety about what I'm going to eat, but anxiety about when I'm going to get my fitness in. And New York yeah. is the opposite. New York is not. I have zero anxiety about fitness. I know my multiple gyms I can go to and I'm going to be walking so much like I basically right. don't have to do any excess or ancillary cardio in New York. But mm-hmm. the food is a the food gets real tricky. Yeah, that's the trap for sure. Yeah, that's the trap. Yeah. Um, Julie, this has been a fascinating Jaws. Sorry, Jaws. This has been a fascinating conversation. <laughs> Julie Nelson, who is that? that? I meant Jaws. Um, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. It's a pleasure to, you know, do it. Yeah. Chat. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. All right. And now for the Q and A. How about a question from Jesse? Hi, Jesse. Jesse says, hi, Ethan. 
My trainer at my gym was telling all of us how important it is to actually eat food. I'm just so used to diets where I deprive myself and I have this in my mind and I find it so hard to eat a carb or things that make my meal more balanced. It makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong. Have you ever experienced this? And do you have any advice for someone like me who can't seem to shake the things they thought were right? 100% I've experienced that. Eating carbs after I hadn't eaten carbs in a long time. Like there were years where for me um, eating carbs were taboo. And I was, if I was eating carbs, I was on the fuck it plan and I was just eating everything. And, 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 and also... I considered a lot of things to be carbs that in fairness had more energy uh, from fat than they did from carbs. You know, you look at something and you go like, well, this has 36 grams of carbs and only 20 grams of fat. Is that a fatty food or a carby food? For the longest time, I thought of it as a carby food when the reality is um, each gram of fat has nine uh calories in it and each gram of carbs has four calories in it so the actual energy that your body is deriving from that food is the majority is fat so stuff like pizza oh man even like burgers and you know i would think of a burger with a bun as just a carby food now granted you remove the bun you remove the majority of the carbs and it, and it then, so there, there, there could be the thought that the bun is mostly a carby food. Fine. Fair enough. Is a donut, a carby food or a fat for, for a lot of them, they're more energy from fat. And so like, I had to really change the way I thought about a lot of these things and think about what is my body doing with the energy I'm putting into it? If my diet is mostly fat, what is that fat useful for? And I'll tell you what, it's not super useful for exercise and working out. It's not super conducive to weight loss either. If your desire is to lose weight, then if you're eating an abundance of calories from fat and, and in fact, uh, more than you would use, then your body is actually going to store that excess fat more efficiently as fat, right? Mm. Where mm. carbs before they store as fat, they're going to fill up in your muscles. So as glycogen, as a re reserve fuel for working out. So yeah, you could certainly gain fat by overeating carbs. But if you're not overeating, then it's just fuel for your workout. Right. It becomes complicated. They've been, they've been so demonized in the press that like, you know, we think of this thing as carb as being almost evil. I did for a long time, these evil carbs, we don't need mm -hmm. them. We don't get anything out of them. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're doing something super active and you switch from a high fat diet to a high carb diet, then you might notice that, oh my God, how much more do I have? How much more fuel do I have? I at least I did. It was very scary. I thought for sure I was going to gain weight. And then you got to get into the whole thing of like weight on the scale. Is it developed fat? Is it that I'm holding on to water? Is it glycogen in my muscles? You know, if you think about, uh, have you ever had like a high sodium meal and woken up puffy? Yes. Okay, good. Well, carbohydrates hold four to five times the water that salt does. Hmm. 
only they don't hold it subcutaneously. Like you're not going to get puffy. They hold it as liquid in your muscles. So like you could deprive yourself of carbs and your muscles will literally like deflate a little bit. And then you could eat a bunch of carbs and they'll suck up to water, store in your muscles. You'll get pumped up and you could weigh a lot more on the scale the next day. And there's been no developed fat. You're not any fatter. You just weigh more on the scale. So it's possible that you're losing water. You're retaining water. There's a lot to think about it. If you're not overeating, you're not going to gain fat. And overeating is utterly subjective. Each and every person based on their body and their activity level has a different threshold for what would constitute overeating. So you can't just base it on some other guy. If you haven't eaten carbs in a while and you're working out and you're working out with somebody who's instructing you to eat carbs, try it out. You know, give up some of your fat that day, eat some carbs and see how you do in the gym and how you feel. And if you feel like shit, then maybe that's not the route for you. Yeah. Well, I remember one time I went to visit you guys, um, you and your wife, Brandy, at what we like to call Spa AG, where you basically cooked for us for four days. And you made these very balanced meals or, you know, with things that I'm like, oh, my God, there's rice. There's this like I so relate to what um, I don't know if Jesse is male or female, but I so relate to what Jesse's asking of just like, oh my God, I need rice. I'm supposed to not, you know, like it's in our mind. And then I lost weight when I, when I came home, I was down on the scale and I was like, whoa, like, so, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, my, it's so, so. Listen, processed food. I think that though their processed food is has a lot of sneaky stuff in in it and 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 even some of the packaging is sneaky you know i i will glance at a package and go like this only has 200 calories i'm gonna eat this fucking bag of you know pop chips or whatever the fuck it is and not feel super guilty and then you come to find out well it's like no it's 200 calories per serving there's 16 servings so you've actually eaten you know three million calories last Mm -hmm. night sitting watching ufc and and you that's you wake up feeling like shit um but like stuff like a potato or rice or even like a piece of ezekiel bread like if we want to go super hippy dippy crunchy people <laughs> um you know that's like that's a whole food basically for the most part and if you're not putting anything else on it, it shouldn't be having some like sneak sneak attack on your system. Now, you know, some people have celiac or Hachimoto's and they will have a reaction to gluten. But like, you know, all the people in Los Angeles who stay away from gluten, I would be willing to bet it's like 1% of them that actually have an intolerance for gluten. And the rest are just on this trend of like, you know, quasi health where if they don't eat, you know, carbs or gluten, they're a better person somehow in the, mm-hmm. within the shrine of fad <laughs> diets. And it's, it's all pretty dumb. You know, if, if the, if the majority of your foods that you're eating are whole foods are one word ingredient foods and you're not overeating, you're going to be okay. And, and I would just mess around with stuff like carbs and fats and see how you feel and, and take it from there. Yeah. Amazing. I like that answer. That's very relevant to so many of us, just the mental training we've all been through of what you can and can't have when you're trying to lose, you know what I mean? So it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And thanks for the question, Jesse. If you have a question you would like Ethan to answer, just email us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>